Today's episode of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast is brought to you by Hostfully, the market leader in digital guidebooks for short-term rental hosts. With Hostfully, you can create a beautiful online guidebook that you can send to your guests so they have a better experience and you get fewer questions. Sign up now at hostfully.com to get two months for free by using code PAD. That's P-A-D. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to episode number 428 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today I'm super excited because I have somebody on the podcast who has been here before. Episode uh, 198, we talked about Facebook marketing for Airbnb hosts. That was almost four years ago, exactly to this day. Uh, His name is Niels Becker. He's the CEO, founder of Living in History, a property management company out of Germany. And Niels focuses on uh, rural areas in Germany. And we're going to talk about his new project. He's taking over a very old school vacation rental business in a very old school village in a beautiful area in Germany. I've been there on the Mosul River. So I'm super excited to talk to Niels about that. So Niels, welcome to the show. Hi, Jasper. It's nice to to be with you on the podcast again. It's been a while, but (laughs) I'm very excited. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm really excited to learn about what you're doing because it sounds quite similar to what Eric and I are doing in California, just buying an old an, uh, an old school uh, vacation rental business and adding our modern technology and our our, our modern ex- turning it into a modern experience. So before we get into that, uh, I would love to read the email that you sent me a couple of days ago or last week. So Niels wrote to me, he said, I always enjoy reading your emails, but currently I read the progress on your property with even greater interest as I'm in the process of taking over a six unit property at the same time. It's striking how many similarities there are compared to yours. No vision, no systems in place. And what's even more interesting is how the whole market uh, has a lot to offer, but it's operating with a 1960-ish business model, mainly as most places don't even list on Airbnb and their marketing effort seems to be limited to a road sign at the side of the road that says vacancies. This way, their operations is basically limited to the summer season but I'm an all-year operator in my current markets in neighboring uh, regions that are much less touristy. So I envision to be very disruptive in this market once I enter with what I have learned over the past five years. So I thought that was a really good email because it really I immediately understand what you're talking about, right? And this is something similar that we are we we saw with the with the business that we bought in uh, in Idlewild in in California. And I love how you're saying it's it's operating on a 1960s business model with uh, the only marketing is a road sign, uh, which I thought was uh, really funny. Yeah, it's even more striking than that because the other day I I really uh, looked out for these signs, and they even have amenities 
that uh, to us seem absolutely ridiculous, like uh, it, it would say hot water in all of our units or uh, uh, units equipped with VC and char, so that, that you would say, well, <laughs> that seems <laughs> obvious, but you know, there it's something special, but maybe in 1960, this was still something, something different or something, a, di a differentiation point that you didn't have to go to the loo in the barn or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like time has almost, you know, stood still in, in some of those areas, it looks like. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in that market, um, the uh, vacation rental business uh, has always been like a side uh, business for the wineries where they say, okay, we sell our wine. And then, you know, on the upper floor, we have two rooms that we can also rent to tourists uh, mm -hmm. during the season when people are buying wine. And so maybe they want to stay overnight and uh, we can keep them a little longer with us. And uh, it's, it's like a side uh, hustle to, to the, to the wine business. Yeah. Um, when I, when I took over this building, um, the um, person that um, that I'm uh, getting it, renting it from the investor, uh, she showed me the old contract with uh, the people who have been running it to date, and it has a clause that they're obliged to sell uh, 168 bottles of wine for the old owner who rented it to them. So a part of the deal is uh, selling wine. So you can see where they where they're coming from. It's also. Wow a bit ancient for for <laughs> i mean how do you work that into a wheelhouse or price labs <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that's hilarious yeah i'd love to talk a little bit more about the region because it's it's a super cool region uh, i actually was there about it's probably about 10 years ago um you know i grew up in, in arnhem which in and for the listeners uh if you're not familiar with the, where germany germany is in europe Holland, where I'm from, or the Netherlands, we're neighbors, right? So I grew up right. literally a bike ride away from the German border. So we would go into Germany uh, very often and, uh, and visit different places. And I have a very, uh, a very fond memory of uh, a weekend trip that I did uh, to the Mosul area. Uh, where you where you have your your project now, and I went in. I think it was September when all those wineries that that are there are doing their uh, harvesting parties. Correct. Yeah, that's one of the one of the uh, big attractions during the uh, summer reasons and uh, uh, during the summer season, main season. And you can just go from village to village uh, and experiencing uh, these uh, wine tasting things, contests and, and stuff that they organize usually directly on the bank of the river. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the memory that I have. Like we left on a Friday afternoon and uh, we literally just drove up into like a random village or to us, it was a random village. And then we learned that there was a big party going on. So mm -hmm. we just checked into a hotel and, uh, and joined the locals who were super friendly. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we speak a little bit of German. So we ended up partying, uh, with the locals until like four in the morning, you know, mm -hmm. drink, tasting all the wine. And then the next day we drove to another village and same thing. And we didn't even notice. We, we, we just felt like, hey, let's just go drive around Germany for a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, that's usually the, the, what the seasonal business is. But um, after the summer, all these uh, uh, wine fairs or, or local uh, parties, uh, they just cease and, and go away. A lot of businesses close down. So they're like in any touristy area, uh, a low season starts and uh, then it becomes, uh, you have to be more creative to, to see how you can attract travelers. Yeah. 
I've been doing this in a neighboring uh, uh, area, which is, uh, as I said in my email, uh, attracts a lot less tourists, but we have people coming all year round. So um, we, we usually have hiking people. And um, the the uh, vision that I had for, for my Airbnbs there is um, that we concentrate on historic homes, like small village cottages or buildings that are from the 18th century or something like this. We also have a schoolhouse from 1908 and things like that. And the experience is that you have like a... Um, uh, you live in, in like in an ancient home, which is modernized, of course, and has all the amenities of today, but in, in like in a little medieval village so that uh, people from, um, that's our typical guest avatar, people from big cities that come to experience like a weekend slip into another world and, um, and have that uh, experience and enjoy this very much. And this works. Uh, actually year-round. So even now in November, we, we are still, I think, 75% booked or something like this. Uh, now we have, like in several units, we have fireplaces. And then so my caretaker, before the guests arrive, they have like a cracking fire and the wood burner. And uh, when people come, you know, they, they slip into that uh, other world uh, that they will be experiencing for the weekend. It's, and it's very popular. It's, it's working out very well so um if, if you i think if you have a good focus on on what people might like <laughs> and and uh, what kind of people you might be getting you know you can of course it's easier uh, to work in high season because people come anyway but um, you can you can have uh, people uh, attract people all year long mm -hmm. and, uh, this is what i'm going for uh, for this new project I was trying to, uh, now I, um, I operate currently six units, which is not very many, <laughs> but they are mine. So I had, uh, they're all my properties. So um, I wanted to, to go a little faster. And so I was looking um, for buildings just like the ones that I have, but in the neighboring region of the Moselle River, which is a lot more touristy, where I thought, okay, we can obtain a better nightly rate. Uh, we can uh, have a much wider demand uh, for clients uh, that will uh, come there and um, i had found a perfect little cottage on the prairie on the realtor website uh, it was perfect but i wasn't able to close the deal and uh, it showed then the property that i'm taking over now but it was left at second site because it's not within the standard that i have now it's it's not a historic building it's a modern building and so um, at first i thought nah this is not uh, within our focus but uh, then on second thought, I saw that this is uh, located right next uh, to a hot spring spa. So I thought maybe that experience of unwinding in the countryside can be transported in another way. It's, it's still, if you want, in our focus to, to provide that different countryside experience, different from, mm -hmm. you know, living in a, in a big city, the countryside experiences for hikers who then, after doing a long hike in the November cold, plunge into a hot spring bath, which is just, you know, basically across the street uh, from the building. So far, nobody <laughs> has known, has noticed this as, as a, as a key point. There's a lot of, uh, um, there's a lot of, there's quite a few um, other uh, like little hotels.
vacation apartments, but nobody seems to cooperate or to to uh, feature um, the hot spring spa that's uh, right across the street. It's just there. So, it's, you know, it's it's not, not a feature that people think about because people think about the wine feast in summer, which is probably when you don't want to go into a hot spa or, or, or having massages or going to a sauna. You want to be uh, on, the, in, on the open air. But um, since we want to go uh, season round, all year round, we want to to make this a feature point. You know, it's it's a spring that emerges about uh, two three hundred meters from the building, uh, out of the out of nothing, and neuters then the the hot spa, which is a public institution. So it's like having a hot tub, and you don't have to pay for it, and you don't have to maintain it, but it's still an amenity mm-hmm. for your guests. And this is uh, what we're trying to do. So um, we want to establish, uh, like you know, maybe make packages where we say, look, free entrance uh, to the to the hot springs uh, for our guests, and do these kinds of uh, of uh, networking with other people, which is also something that is totally unknown in that market. I have a list already of interesting businesses uh, that are around, which which is something I always do. For example, there's like a coffee roaster who roast their own coffee in, in the village. And so I will have them provide the coffee for, for us, for our guests. And um, on the other hand, I send them people to use their cafe and, and stuff like this. It is is something that's not working at all in, in that market. And it's so touristy, you know, and, uh, and it seems a very striking thing that people just rather close down <laughs> than mm. trying to be creative uh, to to see how they can work all year. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's really interesting. And and so I want to ask you, like, what we see in the U.S. is that you know since the pandemic, there's a a lot of people that are looking for these type of experiences that you are providing, right? The the secondary markets, the the rural type of experiences. Do you see do you see that in Germany as well that people the more and more people are trying to get out of the cities and and visiting these type of places? Absolutely. I started out with these kind of experiences and we were always looked uh, down upon a little bit from hosts who who are in the, were in the cool cities Amsterdam, London, Berlin, Barcelona or something like this and then it's ah oh, here's this guy in somewhere in a remote rural area somewhere. But it has always been interesting for people because uh, I've thought in the beginning that this would be interesting more for elderly couples who would come to the country. But that was a mistake. I had to adapt the focus of my guests because my guests are young. They're they're in their 20s or 30s and it's attractive to them to come out to the country. And now with the pandemic, this has become like a real hype. I mean, we have been in this business for quite a while. But uh, you can see the curve uh, also for the average daily rate uh, that you can charge. And it it springs up uh, like, you know, it goes like (laughs) up like uh, incredibly over the the past uh, year where we were able to. We had five months of lockdown, but uh, whenever we were able to open up, all places were directly booked, completely Mm. booked. And um, we had restrictions within Europe uh, for travel. And it seems uh, like uh, like a starting shot whenever a country was allowed uh, to to travel. We we had those people, uh, you know, booking like crazy. Belgium, uh, Holland, our, our neighbors, as you say. We have people from France, 
And we're now uh, waiting that uh, the Americans uh, should return <laughs> whenever it is possible for them to, to travel back to Europe. And what I'm seeing is that actually these countries side explore rural experiences are now a hype. Uh, see how, how it lasts and how much substance there is to it. But it has been a sustainable business over the yes, past five years already. So, so it, it's welcome that <laughs> it's going even better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, what, what's your opinion? Do you, do you think this is a, a long-term trend or do you think this is a temporary phenomenon that, that was caused by the pandemic? In my opinion, it is a long-term trend. It will it will um, lose some of its uh, speed. What is happening right now? I know that uh, it will not be uh, the same. Right now, I'm what I'm doing all day is turning down guests who call me, who write me emails, who send inquiries if I have something available. And I have to say no. Sorry, we're all booked. So I don't think that will last forever. But um, the trend, the general trend of um, having a focus on rural areas and that this can be also a nice and interesting uh, stay i think that uh, this will this will prevail this will last yeah yeah i i, I agree 100 and that's something that we notice in our uh, little town in idlewild in california too is that we're getting a different avatar than than we were expecting and i think a lot of younger people as you as you mentioned have kind of being forced to discover local areas, right? Instead of jumping on the plane and flying to some exotic location, you know, somewhere six hours by plane away to Hawaii or South America or Asia, you know, people, younger people have now discovered like, hey, there's actually a really cool place, like an hour, two hour drive, or maybe like a one hour plane ride, right? So, yeah. And for Europe, I think the best places uh, is wherever uh, you have big cities in a radius of maybe two hours car drive. This is the, the places where people want to go. This is this is the maximum travel radius uh, that they have. I, I know that from because I, I do my own statistics. I have always been <laughs> like a, a number freak <laughs> to see where our people, where our guests come from, how far they drive once they're there how far their radius is to do excursions and trips uh, within the area, how far they move away from their accommodation, which is also interesting for me to see when I, I look for new places uh, in order to, to, to find good spots. And um, so um, uh, I think um, it is a new travel trend and it will, it will last. Right now it's a hype because as you say, some people had no choice that they couldn't travel anywhere else. And uh, some people didn't want to go to big cities and, and be packed uh, with a lot of uh, people and, and rather enjoyed uh, being in the country because uh, mm -hmm. I also try to communicate with my guests what makes them come. And you hear that a lot, that they, they just want to be out in the open, clean air and, uh, and uh, in nature. This is, mm. this is, so it's a new aspect that is in their heads now, I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're 100% you're right. Due to COVID, it's now more important than ever that your guests actually read your house rules and check-in instructions. And there's no better way to deliver that information than by using an online hostfully guidebook. You can build your guidebook in just a few hours and simply include a link to your guidebook in your welcome email. Your guests can access it on desktop, on mobile, and they can even print it out. Now, as a result, you look super professional, your guests have a better experience, 
as they don't have to read through endless paragraphs of text. Instead, they can go through a nice looking guidebook with lots of visuals. That means fewer questions for you, more time for you to focus on other areas of your hosting business. Sign up now at hostfully.com and use code PAD to get your first two months for free. That's hostfully.com, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com, code PAD, which is P-A-D. So I would love to understand a bit more about, you know, you're you're taking over this, this old school property in an old school market. What are some of the, you already touched on like involving the community and, you know, doing, having partnerships with local businesses. What are some other kind of upgrades that you create, that you implement in, in the market to attract more, more travelers? The, the situation I found when I, when I first uh, saw the building is um, that this building has practically no marketing in place. I think of the uh, six or seven units that that they have there, one was listed on booking.com. They had a web one of of seven or or six or seven, and uh, they had a website without a uh, booking possibility, you know, where it says, uh, if you like our website, just call us if we have something available. And they have a sign outside vacancies or no vacancies uh, for people who just passed by. So that is uh, the whole marketing uh, configuration. And um, there also there was no, let's say the pricing was to me was not very understandable. There were small units that were more expensive than large units. You didn't see because in the industry right now, at least for Airbnb, it seems to be uh, normal that you set a price for a two people occupancy. And then if you have extra guests, there's a surcharge, at least uh, this is the way our market uh, works. Here you, you rent the unit, uh, no matter if, if there's one guest or, or eight, <laughs> squeeze in there somehow. All this is uh, things that, that seem, uh, let's say very strange. And then when, as I walked uh, through the building, I said, okay, why is this room empty? This is a bedroom. There's a door there. It's blocked. Yeah, we had another project in mind here, but we never got around to doing that. So this room stayed just as a storage room. I said, well, it's a very big bedroom. And then um, I went through to another room and said, so why is this room empty? So, and I found about four or five rooms that could make perfectly rentable spaces that were not in use. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the the current people who, who run the place, they had taken the largest apartment for themselves to live in it. And uh, I said, hmm, <laughs> this, but this takes a lot of uh, uh, revenue away from you. If, you. if you live in this, you can't rent this. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's the, it's the quality of life and stuff like that. I mean, it's okay. It's it's perfectly understandable to, to do this. But from a investing standpoint, it's maybe not the smartest uh, decision to, to take uh, one third of your surface uh, for yourself <laughs> rather than make money on it. And so this is the kind of, you know, I, I saw these uh, things. And um, I what I do is um, before um, I look at places, I always download a, a monthly subscription for that market on early May. And, and I showed that to, to the investor who is um, uh, actually who I'm there, uh, renting the building from. 
And uh, they had never heard of that. They, they didn't know what RDNA was. So um, you can discuss, we could discuss if they have the best numbers, if they're always accurate, uh, if you should rely uh, totally on them. But at least we know what we're talking about. But uh, I was there the only person <laughs> in the room who, who even uh, considered this because I have to find pricing. I have to know if I have to pay so and so much rent or if you buy a building, you have to know, uh, can I make uh, my mortgage payments by uh, uh, figuring out what's the occupancy here? What's the average uh, daily rate here? And things like that, all these considerations that seemed pretty normal to me was something totally unknown. It, it all was by feeling, by you know, by by saying, well, we'll charge this and this, and then we'll get along. But uh, uh, to me, it's not the way it, it, it should be working. We have tools that uh, can help us um, to find out uh, what we can expect and, and they can do this. I always do this in a very conservative way. So I, I always calculate to my numbers with a 50% occupancy, although it's at least 75 on average uh, in, in where I operate uh, places. So I have a margin and uh, we don't want to, you know, <laughs> find the best numbers, but uh, uh, we want to do it conservatively in order to find out if, if it can work out. And uh, it was very strange for me to see it this way. And then I found the building, it was made, let's say, it was decorated to, to say like this or furnished in a way where we would say it's the bare necessity. And, you know, what do you need? A bed, a closet, a kitchen and a table. All right, that's that's what you get. And th there's no decoration, not even a picture on the wall or a plant or anything. It, it's just, you know, that bare necessity you know for to say you know you won't you won't be living in this place so for a week you can get along <laughs> with, with that because your necessities are covered you know and uh, things that are pretty standard to me like a microwave or, or a dishwasher or something is not there so i was very surprised uh, that they said that in summer they they still rent out uh, pretty well you know mm. and, uh, they had some customers when i saw the building first i think in in september or something they were still they had like a 30 percent occupancy uh, so uh, maybe uh, to some travelers <laughs> that still works but this is not you know, the way i think the guest experienced you know to, to say this was a really nice place and uh, when we got home in the evening, it was really a place that we enjoyed staying at and not a place where we said, okay, it was clean. And, and you know, that, <laughs> that is the only main point. I mean, that, that's important as we know, but um, that's so basic, you know, uh, mm. that, that shouldn't be the experience the guest takes home. I mean, there is no experience. Just that you say, I've been on the Moselle River, but where I stayed, okay, it was clean. You know, that, that, yeah, it's that, like you have a, a, a bed to sleep in and you have a shower and, and that's about it. Yeah, you, you, can, you can have your basic necessities covered with the place where you're staying. But I think if you want to provide an experience, it has to be nice. People have to say, oh, this, this was so nice and, and uh, we love the place and, and we will come back. And, and mm -hmm. that's the way it works. That's uh, when you see your five stars review, reviews pouring in and that's when other people book. And, and it's not, you know, when they say it was okay and it was, <laughs> you know, that, that's too little. Yeah. Uh, I looked at the um, other places uh, that, uh, that are around me, my competitors or colleagues, whatever you want to call them. They are all like this. So uh, there are very, very few people or places 
that operates with something more where we would say oh this is very nice you know so um to me um it is from the places that i operate uh, it would be uh, incredible you know to, to say you know we don't have a microwave you know i mean that's that's such a little expense and uh, if uh, guests want this and, and demand this and require this or see this as a basic amenity you want to provide this i mean <laughs> it's not, you know it's 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 not something that i would uh, think about twice mm. So are you are you gonna are you planning to invest? Because you mentioned that you're actually renting the building from the investor. Are you planning to invest to get the dishwashers and the interior design and all of that stuff? Where I'm coming from is uh, that I usually buy buildings, uh, the, the the buildings that I have that are really um, in a state that are not livable and have to be torn down, and uh, you know you barely have you know, four walls and a roof. And I uh, fix them up entirely. So here I have a building that's uh, relatively modern. I think the the construction year is 1960, so it's not 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 new, but for my standards, it's pretty new. And uh, the building is furnished. So what I want to do is try to conserve part of the furnishings, and the rest just you know replace it by nicer stuff. And um, I will have to do some interior cosmetic works like. Uh, uh, getting some paint and some color into the building, some, you know, for example, the uh, water supply in the building comes from the same spring that the uh, thermal spring gets the water from. It's then treated as drinking water. I think that's an asset. So I, I said, okay, we want to have like these rain shower heads, for example, where we say, because the water that comes out of, uh, of, of our showers is mineral waters from a spring that uh, originates only a couple of uh, hundred me of meters uh, here from, from our building. And I think that's like, contributing to the guest experience so so what we put in is this kind of amenities and then uh, all since the uh, hot spring baths the spa is uh, is our, our sales point if you if you want to we want to bring like a water and spring theme into the house and and you know in our decorations reflect that right now it's just painted white walls but it's uh, i think i'm confident it's just cosmetics you know in order to give it some some life <laughs> yeah Awesome, man. Well, this is uh, this sounds really exciting. Uh, I'm sure you're gonna do really, really well, especially if you know if your competitors kind of still have that uh, that old school mindset, uh, you know, towards the business. That, that's what I think. Um, I think uh, I read in your emails that you're do, uh, planning to to fix up amenities in in your place as well uh, and try to to bring it to to a better standard or a newer level, right? That's that's what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what what I have in mind as well. You know, to to bring the things to a more enjoyable experience because I know that uh, this will dismark me from my competitors give yeah. me, give me a, a special uh, because people as we know people skip through the uh, pictures and uh, they will you know stop where they say oh this looks nice and uh, it's not even to to make more money it's just to to get the book better because if you see three places and two are like ah oh, it's okay and one says this is nice the one you book is is the one that you you think is nicest and it's not to you know to double your your rate <laughs> but uh, to get a better occupancy so uh, for me uh, the fixing up uh, things and redecorating by my standard is just cosmetics we hope uh, we will be able to to run it quickly 
because uh, for me, what is new, and uh, this brings me to, to another point that I see with interest uh, from uh, what I hear, heard from you or read from you, is that right now I have to test my current operations. If I can, you know, just how do I apply those for a scaled operation where I'm double where I am now? And, and I do this, you know, with within at one point, you know, I, I open like uh, seven units at once, which for me is a lot. It's doubling what I have currently. And um, I have always been keen in, in getting my operations well because I'm a remote host. I live in Spain and uh, these places are in Germany. So I, I from the start, even when I had one, one listing, when I started out, I had to see how do I do this without being there. So I had to implement a lot of operations to make the guests say work without me being there and being able to say, okay, I'm I'm the firefighter here. Uh, if something goes wrong, uh, mm -hmm. I can just drive by and help the guest or, or solve a problem. I couldn't because I, I'm 2,000 kilometers away. So I, I already started that. And also, since I still have another job, which is my standard normal job, this uh, always was a side business for me. I had to, right from the start, when, when I had two listings, I noticed uh, it's impossible to, to answer all these guest communication. And I already implemented, for example, a messaging service for the standard messages uh, so that uh, guests would, let's say, give me a break. But I mean, they're in their right to, to ask for information or have a proper confirmation or uh, be informed when the checkout time is and all these standard routines. So I had to do this from the start. I and mean, maybe it's, it's exaggerated for someone uh, who only has two listings to already, you know, have like a, a messaging service and a PMS and, and stuff like this. But I implemented this uh, from the start because I had to being a remote host. And I think that's helping me now because I'm now analyzing, okay, where will I be failing? Because uh, right now it's already costing me for example, the what is uh, not standard guest communication, but you know guests who have questions of whatever kind of questions they have. That's something I do personally still, and uh, it's also good for me in a, a way that because guests appreciate that there's still a personal deal. It's not mm -hmm. an anonymous company who does that. But um, I see as as I I want to scale that type of operations I have to I have to outsource and uh, but I I'm trying to uh, I'm I'm having I'm talking to a person that I already know and uh, she will do this kind I can delegate this part of the guest communication it will still be personal it just be not me but another person but you know it, you have to as you're scaling you just have to analyze that you won't be able uh, to do a lot of things yourself but when you outsource you have to know how it's, it's not yeah. just you know, Going back, we send this there. We send this there. You, you need to still have people that uh, that you can rely on 100 percent, and and where you say, okay, it will work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Having the same problem with cleaning forces and uh, and stuff like this. I usually rather have um, my team, for example, on board. I I employ my uh, cleaners and and not I don't rely on a, on a third party service there. And um, I make my cleaners uh, being uh, like a mini host, if you want to, because um, they get a small budget from me where they um, where they can buy, for example, seasonal little seasonal details for, for the guests, and they can do that on their own criteria. You know, they mm -hmm. they, they 
yeah, I put some, I don't know, Easter eggs or, or whatever or, or things like that when that this uh, the season uh, in my unit and, and they have units that they take care of so that they feel responsible. And uh, that's uh, something that, uh, that works pretty well. And as we're scaling, we want to maintain that, but we will need to have more people coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's something that Eric and I uh, talk about a lot. Uh, as we want to, you know, we want to eventually have like 10, 20 of these of these yeah. properties uh, under the Freewild brand. So that's something that we talk about a lot is like, how do we scale and keep that personal touch, right? Because we do recognize that that's important. Yes, that is a challenge because otherwise you will end up uh, as a hotel chain, you know, if, if it's just a call center where uh, whoever uh, someone picks up the phone and when people call next time, it's it's someone else. So I, I'm trying to, um, uh, for the cleaners and for the phone service, I try to, to have people that are responsible for a number of units and only them. So it's only mm -hmm. one person who responds yeah. to call for unit X. That's how I hope to to maintain that uh, that personal uh, feeling. It's not Niels yeah. who will be answering the phone, but it will be person A. So yeah. it, it will always be this person, and she knows the property, and she knows I don't know where to find uh, the bags for the garbage separation or, or whatever guests may ask. They will be aware because they 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 know. That's um, what I'm trying to to achieve and to maintain as as I grow. And uh, as I'm saying, for me, it's it's a big growth, but uh, I know that a lot of uh, big short, uh, uh, short term rental investors uh, see that this is minuscule, very small uh, business. But I, um, I favor what I call organic growth, which is something where you, you know, just branch out from very good roots <laughs> and do this rather slowly than, you know, taking over. A lot of properties and then you just lose control of, of what you're doing yeah yeah and uh, I, will, I also maintain that focus that i want to have that special experience in a rural area i wouldn't take over for example um i don't know a, a high-rise building in in dallas or something like this because yeah it's not within the focus that i i know to operate best yeah, that's not. If you had a good investor, I would probably buy an abandoned village in northern Spain. <laughs> that would be that would be a great addition, for example, for for what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that's more uh, fits more into your brand. By the way, I love your brand name, Living in History. That's that's a really strong brand name. I like yeah, it a lot. It seems that it, uh, as people skip through the listing, it, it attracts people's interest you know at least they get curious what this is and what yeah. this is about so uh it does work <laughs> awesome well congratulations on uh yeah on your on your progress i know uh as you said uh you know you're you're growing slowly but you're growing consistently yeah super exciting to uh to get an update from you uh, four years after you were first on the on the podcast so Okay, so so we'll have to wait another four years from now and see what happens. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like now that you're doing something very similar as we are, uh, I might uh, I might hit you up in like six months and see uh, see how it's, how it's going. <laughs> how it's going? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it has been a pleasure, and it's always very interesting. I enjoy uh, reading your your emails that you send out. I, I enjoy the podcasts uh, and see other aspects of our business, uh, and and I always have a, a takeaway from my own 
business or for, for my own ideas. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's a very good resource. Awesome. I appreciate that. And uh, before we uh, wrap up, can you let people know how they, if they want to stay at one of your units in Germany, uh, well, how can they find you? Oh, it's uh, uh, living-in-history.com. And uh, that's our website. And uh, that's uh, where you can, can book uh, the places that we have right now. Uh, we're not sure if, if we for the for the new project uh, we will have it under that brand or create a known brand for that. Uh, that's something that I have to decide still. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at the website now. It looks uh, looks really good. Direct booking website. There's some videos on there, which are really nice. So um, so yeah, it's living-in-history.com. If you're planning a trip to beautiful Germany in the near future, make sure to check out Niels's listing. So Niels, thank you so much for, uh, for your time. This has been super interesting and uh, good luck with your properties. Awesome. And the same for your project. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for listening. And we'll be back on, on Friday. I'll be back with Eric with another podcast. So we'll see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 If you have over 30 units, you have an annual revenue of over $2 million, or you operate boutique hotels, then the STR Legend Mastermind is for you. You are not alone. We have a group of over 30 high-level entrepreneurs in our mastermind, and we get together on a weekly basis to discuss our biggest challenges and to learn and to grow together. Go to strlegends.com to find out more information and apply for the Legends Mastermind if you think you are a good fit.